Well, again, good morning. Happy Thanksgiving. Hope you guys had a great one. Uh, ours was wonderful. I, of course, ate too much, like probably most of us, uh, and it was perfect. Um, and so it was a great time just to be with family, lots to give thanks for, even, I think, in a difficult year. Um, just so much gratitude. Um, and so it's, uh, it's great to be together this morning. Uh, if you're visiting with us, I want to welcome you and thank you for joining us. If you're, welcome, uh, if you're visiting with us online, welcome. Uh, we're so glad you're joining us on our live feed. Uh, I'm really excited about today uh, because today marks the first Sunday of Advent. Uh, now, I didn't grow up uh, with Advent. Um, I, I kind of discovered Advent when, I guess, when I was in about my 20s. And so uh, I, I didn't totally understand Advent when I first kind of encountered it in the church. And in fact, the, the themes of Advent I found really confusing as someone who really only thought about Christmas in December. Uh, because the themes of Advent are things like waiting and expectation and judgment. And so over the years, I would say what's happened, though, is I have come to realize the beauty and the power of Advent. And I think especially important um, for this year, I've come to understand uh, the importance of Advent in our discipleship as followers of Jesus. And so I'm really excited uh, to, to start Advent. Now, I, I wanted to take a few minutes and just talk about Advent itself. Uh, maybe you're new to the whole idea of Advent. Um, and so what is Advent exactly? Um, Advent comes from the Latin word for the coming or the arrival. Uh, and it points to the two comings of Jesus. So there's a first and a second coming of Jesus. The first is what we celebrate at Christmas. It's the birth of Jesus. And then we're waiting for the second coming. Uh, Jesus has uh, promised to return. And so we live in this hopeful expectation that he will return. And when he does, we're told that he will judge the world, he'll redeem all things, and that he'll usher in the new heavens and the new earth. And so that's what the season of Advent kind of celebrates. Now, this season of Advent, again, may be new to some of us. Um, and uh, it's important to know that even though it may be new to us, and maybe we haven't experienced it in our tradition, if we come from a different tradition uh, than Anglicanism, it's not new in the church. Uh, it's actually been around for a long time, all, going all the way back to the fourth century. So what that means is for thousands of years, right, for thousands of years, millions of Christians um, from the fourth century all the way up to the present have been celebrating, have been marking this time called Advent. Um, and so it's an important powerful aspect of our life together as a community and in the life of the global church and the historical church. And so we're kind of entering into this incredible season called Advent. Uh, what's interesting is, in fact, Advent um, was what marked December historically in the life of the church. It wasn't Christmas. So that's very different than what we experience today. In fact, Christmas uh, kind of in the history of the church would have been celebrated starting on Christmas, right? Not the day after Halloween, which is where we are now. Um, and so it's, it's a very different uh, way of thinking about time. Um, for example, you know, historically there would have been no Christmas carols sung before Christmas Day. Uh, there would have been no decorations in the church uh, before Christmas Day. And uh, so, in other words, Christmas, instead of kind of easing into it over a month or two months, 
um, it would kind of burst onto the scene. It would kind of exploded into this amazing moment on Christmas Day where we celebrate the first coming of Jesus. And so I think that's helpful because there's something about that that does seem right, uh, I think, when we think about Advent and its relationship with Christmas. But Advent is a distinct season. It falls on these 40 days leading up to Christmas and includes these four Sundays of which today is the first. So today we start Advent. So that's what Advent is. Why do we need Advent? Uh, Why do we need Advent? Um, I thought of several reasons. One, I would say we need Advent because it serves uh, as an antidote for kind of a superficial Christmas is what I would say. Um, You know, ironically, this time of year can be one of the most challenging when it comes to keeping our attention and keeping our focus on Jesus. Um, Jesus can kind of get lost in the chaos and in the clutter. And what Advent does is it helps bring our attention and our devotion to Jesus, to the Jesus that the whole story of Scripture kind of leads us to, that the Old Testament prophecies and writings uh, tell us about, to the Jesus who fulfills the great promises of God. And so it leads us to that Jesus. Uh, I think we need Advent too because it reminds us that we live and wait as exiles and foreigners in this life. We talked about that a lot this year. We looked at 1 Peter. We've looked at uh, Daniel. And we've talked about uh, this identity we have as exiles, as sojourners, as foreigners in this world. This is our home, but it's not our home. Because in Christ, we are citizens of a heavenly kingdom. And that will one day become our eternal home. And so life in exile, the life we live here, can be hard. Um, life in, in exile can be hard, and we, we feel that. And I think Advent helps because it names that. It names that experience as exiles. And so just as we, uh, we read from Isaiah, uh, the old family shared that, that passage from Isaiah uh, with us just a few minutes ago, and that passage highlights this identity that we have as exiles. That was written for a people living in exile whose cry, their heart cry was, God, would you come? Would you rend the heavens and come down. And so I think we need Advent because it reminds us of that reality, that we live as exiles. We need Advent because we need to remember that Jesus is coming again. Jesus is going to return. I think most of the time when I think, at least, of Advent, I think of two things. Maybe you do too. I think of a calendar, Advent calendar, and I think of an Advent wreath. Those are great things. We have those in our home. We love those. But I think um, if we're not careful, those two things in particular can kind of be misleading about what Advent actually is. If we're not careful, Advent can kind of feel like it's just a countdown to Christmas, right? It's just getting us to that big day. And so I think it's important to realize that Advent is about the nativity. It's about the first Advent, the coming of Jesus, the birth of Jesus. But the emphasis of Advent really is on the second coming of Jesus. That's where the, the, the weight is on that foot, you could say, in Advent, about the second coming. And so it's not that we're kind of like going through the motions and pretending that we're like waiting for Jesus to be born. No, Jesus has been born. His Advent, his first Advent has happened. Now we are waiting for him to return. And so we press into that reality. And I think it's important because we're tempted to forget that. I think we, we're tempted to forget. We don't talk about it enough in the church that Jesus is gonna come again, that he will return. Uh, we talk about the fact that he loves us and he does, that he died for us and he, he did, that he rose from the dead, praise God. But we, we don't talk enough about the ascension. 
or about the second coming, I think. That Jesus is the king and that he will return. And so Advent invites us uh, to enter into that reality. It's what the apostle John ends his great revelation with. It's the last words of the entire Bible. You know what they are? They're come, Lord Jesus. They're a cry for the king who has promised to return. And so that's what flavors Advent. All, all of that kind of gives Advent its feel. And so maybe when we were reading Isaiah or when I was reading that passage in Luke, you might have been thinking, um, okay, so why, why are we reading that as we get ready for Christmas? Because it doesn't feel very Christmassy, uh, those readings. And if you felt that, you would be right. It doesn't feel very Christmassy. And that's because it's Advent. And Advent points us not so much to the first coming, but to the second coming, to the end of the age, to the final judgment when the king returns. And so if that feels strange to you, then you're understanding what Advent is. Because I think what happens is if we understand and we enter into Advent, it creates a significant dissonance with our culture. Because Christmas is going on out there. It's been going on. And it's, it's going full tilt in the weeks ahead. Um, but in here, in the church, it's Advent. It's Advent. And we need Advent. We as a church need Advent. As I was preparing for Advent this year, um, uh, I was a little bit surprised as kind of where the Holy Spirit led me. But it led me to Esther. And these words in Esther chapter 4, um, where Esther's adoptive father um, says this to, to her. He says, For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. And that phrase, for such a time as this, has really stuck with me. The Bible records these ancient words spoken to Esther in a desperate and difficult moment in history. And I think they speak to us today, especially this Advent. We are facing desperate and difficult moments in our own history. And we are in need of relief. We are in need of deliverance in our world. And the good news is that salvation has arisen not just for the Jews, but for the whole world. That's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 6 says that at just the right time, salvation came into the world through Jesus. And at just the right time, Jesus will return. And until then, that he is with us. He is with us in this moment. He has come for such a time as this. A time when we need hope and renewal and justice and joy. And so what we're gonna do each week of Advent is we're gonna look at each of those four Advent themes. Uh, that we are in a place where we need hope. This is a time for hope. This is a time for renewal. This is a time for justice and a time for joy. And so this morning, we're gonna get started in Advent 1 by looking at hope. Uh, and so I wanna invite you to grab your Bible or open up uh, your app to Luke chapter 21. Those verses I just read from the Gospel of Luke 21 through 25. And I just wanna take a little time this morning to look at these words of Jesus and how they actually are very hopeful words. It may not feel like that. It may not read like that. But I think if we understand, they're incredibly hopeful 
Um, and so just as you're turning there to Luke chapter 21, a little context. Um, this entire chapter, uh, pretty much, from about verse 5, the entire chapter is Jesus teaching about what will happen in the world between his first coming and his second coming, between the advents of Jesus. And so what we get uh, is, is what's typically called Jesus' um, uh, apocalyptic teaching. This is his apocalyptic teaching, the end times, how things will go as history unfolds towards its end. So verse 5 through 25 talk about the destruction of the, uh, Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple, uh, which actually took place in 70 A.D. And then the second half of the chapter where we pick it up in verse 25, uh, including what we read this morning, it talks about more about the end times, um, what's going to happen at the end of human history. And so Jesus says this. He says when history kind of comes to a close, this is what's going to happen. He says in verse 25, there will be signs in the sun and moon and stars and on the earth. Nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and the tossing of the sea. People will faint in terror, apprehensive of what is coming into the world for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. And at that time, they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud and power and great glory. These things begin to take place. When these things begin to take place, stand up, lift up your head, because redemption is drawing near. So Jesus, again, he's describing what's going to happen at the end of human history. And as he describes these really terrible future circumstances, he goes on to tell this short little parable uh, about the changing leaves on a fig tree. Now, what is, he, what, what is that about? Basically, what Jesus is saying, as the changing leaves tell you a new season is coming, in the same way, when you see these signs that I've just told you about, it means that I'm coming. So it's just a little picture of what, what these signs, how they function, what he's telling us. And so then Jesus encourages his disciples by telling them things will be really hard, and when he returns, uh, they should be prepared and so in the in-between time, between his two advents, they need to remain alert, diligent, and prayerful. So what is all of that telling us? What is Jesus getting at? Well, there's definitely more to the passage than we can really get into um, this morning. So let me just make a few uh, observations, and then I want to give us two applications. So a few observations. Um, first observation is this about what Jesus is teaching here. Jesus is describing the time between his advents as very difficult. I think that's so important for us to understand. Jesus is describing the time between his advents as very difficult. From his birth to when he will return, it will be hard. Um, these are some of the last words Jesus shared with his disciples before he went to the cross. He's not pulling any punches the temple and the city of Jerusalem will be destroyed by other nations. There will be persecution. Even creation itself will feel like it's being turned upside down is what Jesus says. In fact, he says things are going to get worse the closer they come to the end. The world will be especially characterized by fear. There will be social and political chaos. There will be natural disasters. That's how Jesus describes history as it unfolds before his return. And so... I just want to pause right there because I think with all that's going on, maybe you've heard some talk like this, but with all that's been going on over the last year, I've heard just some discussion about is this what's happening in the world? 
Are we entering into this time that Jesus is describing here in Luke 21? And what I would say is it's possible. I think we have to be willing to say that. It is possible. Um, But I think it's also important to acknowledge that it's been possible before. Followers of Jesus pay attention to what's happening in the world, and they see the world through this lens, which is what Jesus has taught us to do. And so what that means is that regardless of where we find ourselves in history, we need to be aware that Jesus, as his return draws near, times will become harder. That will mark his return. And so I would say um, we need to be aware. We need to do what Jesus says here, be alert. But I don't think that means that we should be uh, trying to predict things. I think that's where we get off track. It becomes unhelpful. So what I would say is we need to pay attention uh, regardless. um, But really what this should lead us to is less about predicting the future and more urgency in our mission. Less about predicting the future, more about urgency when it comes to our mission. We should be prayerfully paying attention and our hearts should be going out to those who don't know Jesus It should move us more in that direction to share the good news and the hope of Jesus with those around us. So just just, uh, uh, kind of aside there, I wanted to address that because I have heard people asking that question and I think it's a good question. It's a question we should be asking. Um, So first, Jesus says things are going to be difficult between his advent. Second observation, when Jesus returns, it will be in power and glory. When Jesus returns, it's gonna be in power and glory. Jesus refers to himself here as the son of man. Uh, as the Son of Man coming on a cloud. Now, that's a term that should sound familiar to us. We just went through the book of Daniel. And in Daniel 7, this exact same image is used, uh, the Son of Man who comes on the clouds. And so Jesus is using that exact image, this phrase, this terminology, because he wants us to understand that that's who he is coming as when he returns. He is coming as the Son of Man who will be on the clouds. In other words, revealing his power and his glory and in all his majesty. And that's what we see in Daniel 7. Jesus is the one who comes before the Ancient of Days in the throne room of God and all the glory of God is revealed and Jesus is given the authority and the power of Almighty God, the Ancient of Days. He is given all of that. And so that is who he is telling us he is. When he comes back, he will come as the king in the power and the glory. And when he comes, what that means is he will come as the king who judges. This language in Luke 21 is the language of judgment. That's what's happening. That's why all these these hard things are happening. Because there's judgment coming on the earth. Now when we hear the word judgment, we get uncomfortable. (laughs) We all do. We get uncomfortable. Uh, We don't like to talk about God's judgment, but we have to because Jesus did. So when Jesus returns, he's going to come back and he's going to judge. Now, what does that mean? It means that he's going to deal with all that's evil, all that corrupts, all that kills, all that destroys life. He's going to deal with that once and for all. And that's good news. Judgment is a good thing in the hands of a good and holy God. And so we're going to talk more about that uh, in a couple of the weeks uh, ahead of Advent. We're going to kind of drill into that. But, but notice what Jesus says to his disciples here. He says, now when these things begin to take place, what are they supposed to do? They're supposed to straighten up and raise their heads. Why? Because redemption is drawing near. 
because redemption is drawing near. His coming in power and glory uh, to judge the living and the dead is good news because with it comes redemption. So when Jesus brings judgment, he brings redemption. He brings salvation. These things come together because of God's love for us. And so what he's telling his disciples is lift up your heads. In this time that's hard, don't get bent down and look down. Lift up your head. Straighten up. Look up. Look to the horizon because judgment and redemption are coming. The Son of Man is coming. So when Jesus returns, it will be in power and glory. Observation number three. When Jesus returns, all the promises of God will be fulfilled. When Jesus comes back, all of the promises of God will be fulfilled. And this is an incredible truth. That's what redemption means in a sense. Redemption means to buy back or, or to regain possession uh, of what was taken or what was lost. And so God has promised that he's going to come and he's going to take back creation. That's one of his promises. He's going to, he's going to take back creation, including all humanity. He's going to take it back from the kingdom of darkness once and for all. In fact, he's already won that victory on the cross. Paul, the Apostle Paul, in Colossians 2.15, he says this, And having disarmed the powers and authorities, Jesus made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Jesus has won the victory on the cross. So what that means is redemption has begun. Redemption has already begun. And when Jesus returns, he will consummate or he will complete that redemption, to fulfill the promise of redemption. And so that means that all the promises of God, every promise of God, if you pick up your Bible, any promise you can find in the word of God will be vindicated when Jesus comes back. Praise God. Every promise of God will be vindicated and all those who trust in his son, all those who put their faith in Jesus and surrender their lives to him and follow him, all of those will be vindicated too. And so this is, this is an amazing reality that when Jesus returns, all the promises of God will be fulfilled. And Jesus says, you can count on it. Verse 33, he says, heaven and earth will pass away. But these words, my words, will never pass away. God's promises will be fulfilled. Observation number four. Jesus says when he comes back, it'll happen quick. So stay vigilant. Jesus says when he comes back, it'll happen quick, so stay vigilant. He says in verse 32, truly I say to you, this generation uh, will not pass away until all this has taken place. And there's different ways that people have tried to interpret. What does Jesus mean here? Well, he can't mean this generation that he's talking to because they all passed away and Jesus still has not returned. So these first disciples, that's not who he's talking about. Um, another kind of uh, popular approach to this is to think, well, maybe he's just talking about all of humanity, but that kind of doesn't tell you anything. Uh, I'll come before all of humanity dies is kind of a pointless piece of information. That's going to happen. So what is Jesus saying? I think the best way to understand what Jesus is saying here is he's saying this. Truly, I say to you, this generation, that is the one in which these signs that I'm describing here begin to occur, that generation is the generation in which I will actually appear. In other words, this is going to happen quickly, within one generation. And so that's why Jesus follows this up by, he's saying, look, you gotta live in anticipation and preparedness for my return. He says in verse 34, but watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation. Another word for kind of 
decadence and, and frivolous living. Don't get weighed down by that kind of life that just looks at the here and now. You, you don't get caught up in the drunkenness and the cares of this life. And that day that it might come upon you suddenly like a trap is what Jesus says. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth, but stay awake at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the king, to stand before the one in whom we put our trust, the son of man, Jesus. So, four observations. Uh, Life until Jesus uh, comes back is gonna be difficult and it's gonna get more difficult. It's important that we understand that as followers of Jesus. When Jesus returns, it'll be in power and glory to judge and redeem the world. We need to look forward to that day because when Jesus returns, all the promises of God will be fulfilled. And then finally, when Jesus returns, it'll happen quickly, so all of us need to remain vigilant. We need to be alert. We need to be paying attention and being prepared. Now, the question is, why is this the reading? I get the second coming connection, but why is this the reading for this Sunday, and what does this have to do with hope? What does this have to do with hope? N.T. Wright in uh, his great book that uh, I'm encouraging everybody to grab a copy of, Advent for Everyone, uh, Walking Through Luke. Uh, It's a daily devotional. And on the first day, he looks at this passage. And this is what he says uh, about what Jesus teaches here. He sums it up this way. He's saying, Jesus is telling us to keep alert. Uh, This is what we're told to expect. Patience is key. Pray for strength. This is what it's about. It's not an exciting battle with adrenaline flowing and banners waving. It's the steady faithful walk. It's about prayer and hope, scripture and sacrament and witness. It's about the day by day by day by day, week to week. This is what counts. So read this story. Read the story of scripture. Read the gospels. Remind one another what Jesus said. Encourage one another and keep awake. See, Advent is a call to remain hopeful even when everything around us seems hopeless. It's a call to hope even when everything around us seems hopeless. Jesus tells us it's gonna be hard and it's gonna get harder. So don't root your hope, in other words, in your circumstances. Draw hope from the promises of God. Draw hope from the promise of redemption, from the promise that Jesus will return. He's saying, keep your eyes on the horizon. Don't get kind of bent down just looking at this moment. Keep your eye on the horizon. Look up, he says. Look up, because I'm coming back. That's our hope. That's our hope. Jesus is going to return. Jesus is going to return. There's a lot of hopelessness in the world right now. A lot of hopelessness in the world. Many feel afraid. Maybe we feel afraid. We feel uncertain. Maybe you just feel beat down, just wearied by all of this. And Advent says, don't lose hope. Don't let these burdens in this life that this world throws on us, don't let us, it cause us to lose hope. The world wants to bend us and to break us. And Jesus says, straighten up, look up, keep your eyes up on the horizon. I am coming back. And so let that be your hope. That's what the message is here. 
that Jesus is coming back, and that's our great hope, even in the midst of what feels like hopelessness. Jesus says, I'll return, and I'll redeem the world. There will be no more pain, no more loss, no more sickness when I return. And so that's the message of hope in Luke chapter 21, that Jesus will return. So I just want to end with two points of application. Um, and really what, I, what I'm trying to help us think about is how do we live into that hope just on a daily basis? It's great to acknowledge that Jesus is going to come back. And that, that could be any day, right? But it can also feel really far away. It can be really hard to kind of connect with. And I think that's why Jesus is so gracious to us and that he points us to something very practical here in Luke 21. He says, be vigilant, be aware, and pray. You see that at the end? He says, pray. He calls them to prayer. And what I would say is what he's calling them to do is pray the promises of God. Pray the promises of God. So if you want to build hope into your life, the kind of hope that circumstances cannot steal, meditate, pray on the promises of God. God's word is full of his promises, promises of forgiveness, of restoration, of healing, of salvation. On and on and on go the promises. He is with us. He promises he is always with us. And so to be a people of hope, we need to immerse ourselves in scripture and let God's promises nurture us and sustain us, especially, I would say, in the season that we're in right now. And I don't just mean Advent. I mean this historical season in which we find ourselves. We need to pray these promises. Jesus says in verse 36, I will, uh, he encourages us to be watchful and to pray, to pray. And so if you're not in the habit of doing that, I would just encourage you to try it. Uh, take up a, a daily habit of just being with the Lord. We, we talk about following Jesus with three goals, be with, become like, and do. Be with, it's so important that we just take that time to be with Jesus. And we can do that by spending time in his word. There is no substitute for scripture and prayer in the daily life of a follower of Jesus. And so I just wanna encourage you uh, to take up that practice. Um, in fact, you can use that Advent for Everyone devotional guide. It's a great place to start. Uh, it's uh, a couple of pages, a simple question at the end that kind of sparks prayer and thought. And so I'd encourage you to pick up a copy of that. Um, if that's not your speed, Pick a gospel and just start underlying promises. You know, keep track of them and begin to just commit them to memory. Anything you can do to marinate your mind with the truth of God's promises, it will cultivate a deep sense of hope, a deep sense of hope in your life. You'll begin to live in anticipation of God's promises being fulfilled, not only in the future, but in your life now. So pray the promises of God. And then the second application I would say is this. Share the promises of God. Share the promises of God. There are a lot of people in your life who feel hopeless right now. There are people that you think have it all together and look like they're holding it down and they're doing fine. They are not. They're struggling. And so what I would say is, especially in this time of the holidays, I mean, it can be so hard for so many people it can be a time of darkness, of loneliness, of feeling depressed, and maybe even more this year. Even more, I think, this year. And so sow hope into the people around you. Sow it like seeds. Uh, one of the ways you can do that is share the promises God has given to you. There's a beautiful passage in 2 Corinthians 1.4 where the Apostle Paul says that Jesus comforts us in our trouble. 
so that we can comfort others. The comfort that we ourselves have received, we can share with others. And I would say the promises that we have received, we can share with others. And so I would say a simple way that you can cultivate hope, not only in your own life, but in the lives of those around you, is is to share, to live, to speak the promises of God as the Holy Spirit leads you into the lives of others. Um, I want to end with, uh, with a story that I think that illustrates what this can look like, to live as, as a person of hope in, uh, in a time of hopelessness. And uh, it's about a guy that I recently became friends with, a guy named Zach Parrish. Some of you guys uh, may know him. Um, but he serves as a voluntary chaplain for the Houston Police Department. And we connected, I guess, about two months ago. And I remember I got a call from him back in October because uh, Sergeant Arnold Preston uh, had been shot and killed uh, in the line of duty responding to a domestic dispute. And Zach called me because he serves, uh, you know, as, as this chaplain, and he just called and asked me to pray for him. And so I had the incredible privilege of praying with him and for him because he was going down to the precinct uh, where this officer had been stationed, and he was going to be asked to pray with and for uh, his fellow officers and staff. And so, as I was praying for him, I was just trying to imagine what that must feel like to enter into that space where someone's been shot. I mean, these officers face this kind of danger every day. It was really brought home to me in a new way as I prayed for Zach and I prayed for these officers. And it's hard to comprehend uh, that Zach was entering into that space and he was bringing with him the hope of Jesus as he was praying for these people, as he was talking with them, as he was just being with them, just being present in that precinct at a moment where it must have felt very hopeless. And so it's this picture of hope entering into uh, hopelessness, I think, just in a really practical way. But what's even more remarkable, I think, is when you know that Zach's story includes that his own son, a police officer, was shot and killed three years ago in the line of duty. And so Zach has been walking for the last three years in the shadow of death. He's been walking with the death of his own son. And so for Zach... Being able to enter into a place like this and offer hope meant that he had to rely in a deep and personal way on that hope himself. He had to rely on those promises of God himself. He had to allow God to comfort him because only then could he offer any comfort to these other officers. And that's the call in his life. That's why he became a chaplain because he feels that so deeply. The hope that he's been given in Jesus, he feels called to share it with those who are hopeless around him. And so it's this beautiful and powerful picture of what can happen when the hope of Jesus transforms us and we share that hope with others. When we receive the promises of God and we share those promises with others. And so Zach's doing that. He's offering the hope of Christ in the midst of hopelessness. And so we can do that too. There are people around you that are feeling hopeless. And maybe today you're feeling a little bit hopeless. Maybe a hopeless about a relationship, maybe hopeless about a situation with work, finances, whatever it is. And I just want to encourage you. Jesus has said, don't lose hope. Don't lose hope because he is coming back and he is with you. And the promises of God that, that have been made to you, he will fulfill. 
in your life and in my life and in the world. And so don't lose hope. And so I just want to enter into a time of prayer um, where we pray into this, into the hope that we have in Jesus and the hope that we can share with others. And so, um, Lord, we do come to you this morning as we begin this season of Advent. And Lord, we acknowledge that outside, the, the world is um, focused on other things. But as a church, we, we want to enter into this season of Advent. And we ask, Jesus, that you would bring our attention fully on you. Not only is the one who came as a baby and, and dwelled with us and among us, but is the one who will return. You are the one who will return, Jesus in power and glory, and fulfill all the promises of God. You're the one who loves us and is going to come back for us. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us to cling to that hope.